Hey, chiropractors, we're ready for another modern chiropractic marketing show with Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing strategies, content marketing, direct response marketing, and business development with some of the leading experts in the industry. Hey, docs, welcome to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, and today I've got a great interview with Dr. Sarah Mackey. She's a chiropractor in Canada. She's also a MPI instructor, and she's been great for our past and upcoming virtual summits. We do uh, mark the dates. We've got another MPI virtual sports summit, and that's going to be April 2nd and 3rd. I don't have any URLs or anything for you yet, but we will. And we're going to dive into 12 presentations all about different sports and sports injuries. Uh, typically, MPI has a live event in Chicago every year around the sports uh, symposium. And uh, I was fortunate enough to speak at that two years ago. Uh, this year has obviously been canceled in person and we're turning it virtual. But we're going to bring you a ton of great information just like we did last year and the year before. And Dr. Sarah Mackey was an integral part of this past summer 2020's virtual summit. She talked a lot about Achilles tendinopathy. And then she's going to also be present, presenting at the sports summit as well. So she's been uh, vital to our virtual presentations, does a great job on camera, does a great job in practice. And we dive into that a little bit. You know, she's in the trenches in a sports type practice. You know, we'll, we'll dive into some of the nuances, but, you know, just an active lifestyle practice. And also, uh, you know, teaches and teaches technique and assessments. And so she's got a pulse, a finger on the pulse with the profession as well. So it gives her a unique perspective. And so we dive into a little bit of that and give you an inside look at Dr. Sarah Mackey's practice. So I hope you enjoy this and keep a lookout marking your calendars April 2nd and 3rd for the MPI Sports Summit that will be virtual. All right. Welcome to the show, Sarah. I really appreciate your time today. Before we get diving into your practice and such, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, personally and professionally, and we'll go from there. Well, I, um, I graduated from um, Northwestern College of Chiropractic before it was called Northwestern Health Sciences University. Mm -hmm. I'm from uh, Northwestern Ontario, so Thunder Bay, Ontario, right on the north shore of Lake Superior. Um, I did my undergraduate degree at Lakehead University in kinesiology and then, uh, as I said, went just a little bit south to Minneapolis. I know south and Minneapolis don't often uh, <laughs> happen in the same sentence, but uh, that was south for me, where I'm from, and graduated um, in 2002. I was lucky enough to uh, get tangled up with the Motion Palpation Institute while I was a student there and run the Motion Palpation Club and intern with Dr. King and Dr. Iselt at Mount Lookout in Cincinnati. <clears throat> and from there, I actually ended up staying for two years in the States and practiced in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, nice. I had some family in Ohio and uh, <clears throat> just being there, it was easy being a Canadian. At that time, the, uh, the school would sponsor you. So sure. I thought, why not? We'll stay south of the border and just see how this goes. And then after a couple of years of practice there and having actually a, a pretty good experience, meeting a lot of great friends, um, came back to Canada. And at that point, it was just a question of where to settle with um, family in Ontario, some family out west in Alberta, and made basically it was during the oil boom and so everyone was heading west and that's where we settled so we came out to calgary alberta with the plan of starting a practice here <clears throat> or there i should say and then uh 
actually it was my sister and her husband. They have a, a place in Canmore, Alberta, which is it's in in the mountains near Banff and Lake Louise. Mm-hmm. And that sort of pulled us to the mountains. So ended up uh, buying a practice in Canmore from a chiropractor who had been there 10 years. Um, long story short, uh, it wasn't quite enough for to sustain both Tobin and myself, my yeah. uh, partner, who we moved out here together. Okay. And so I ended up practicing in two part-time practices in Calgary until the practice in Canmore was busy enough. And then I came out here part-time. And then finally, after 16 years of doing the back and forth, going to Calgary and and Canmore, I gradually was compressing my hours in the city Mm -hmm. in Calgary and expanding my hours in Canmore. Um, And then uh, just made the transition to full-time practice here. So we enjoy, yeah. When did yeah. you do that? When did you go full-time at the, at the yeah. office? Right before the world ended, actually. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, end of January. Sure. I was down to a pretty lean schedule in the city. But as you know, anyone who has a practice and you develop the connection with patients and you're just invested, it's hard to just, you don't just want to leave your patients. You don't want to walk away. You see what you've built. You have relationships. And uh, so it was really, really a a challenge, but it just became, it was too much for a long time, but all of a sudden it just hit me and I was like, what am I doing? So last end of January of last year, I made the switch. Good, good. I remember I did that same thing where I was in a partnership. I built, I built it myself um, in a, in a town and, and it just wasn't working out with the partnership. And I opened my own practice about 35, 40 minutes away. And it was hard leaving that because I really built a nice patient base. But surprisingly, a lot of people followed, followed me. And that was 11 years ago now and still get some of them that come in. And it's like, you know, can't believe they drive that far. But you build that relationship. Sometimes if you have to move to a different area that's within reason, uh, you'll, you'll get them to follow. So great. Okay. Thank you for the for the background. So uh, tell me a little bit about that uh, transition for you when you went from associate and then you left into, into Canada. Was it a good associateship for you? Like, did you feel like you learned a lot to be able to get into business ownership? The associateship when I was in the States? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I guess you learn, there's always something to learn, I mm-hmm. would say. Absolutely. Um, unfortunately, when I first started, I did spend a lot of time observing, you know, office flow and not doing a lot of hands-on practice. At that point, I think it was, I had to be, you know, you had to be credentialed to be in network. So I had to wait a few weeks before all of this happened. So I had a chance to watch the goings on in the office and the office manager and all of the insurance billings and that. So, and, and at that time I didn't, I didn't have a plan. I guess I knew I would always return to Canada where that type of information might not be as useful to me, but I think you just see the flow of an office. So yes, I did learn mm-hmm. um, for sure in, in terms of the administrative stuff, we were still really heavily involved with MPI in terms of you know all my continuing education, whenever I had an opportunity to go to a seminar, I was doing that. Um, but yeah, there was, it was, there was a lot to learn and, uh, did I, was I able to implement a lot of that coming back to Canada? Yes and no in different ways, but, um, yeah, it was, it was all in all a good, a good associateship. It was a good first stop out of school. I'd say. Perfect. Yeah. I think a good associate sometimes is you learn the things to do and the learn, you learn things not to do Absolutely. and, and you go from there with it. So, uh, one of the things I like to talk to chiropractors about and, and challenge them, to get very clear on this. And, and that is their, their target audience. Like really who is your, your perfect patient, your audience, the, the type of patient you want into your practice. And I'll talk a lot about 
uh, psychographics versus demographics and really get it narrowed down to a few. So explain to me your typical patient in your office for you. So I would say we're, I'm very fortunate because I live in the mountains and I have a very active, it's a very active community and a very active population. But when I say active, I don't always mean athlete. And I think Mm -hmm. that's one, one thing when we're in chiropractic college, like I want to treat athletes. Well, everyone wants to treat athletes, but you've been an athlete yourself. Are you easy to manage? (laughs) Not always, not always. Sometimes athletes like I got a race, I got an event, I've got this activity and it's, it can be challenging to meet their needs while also doing the, the best in terms of a treatment plan. So what I would say my perfect patient, and, and this has sort of been consistent since I got out in practice is anyone who wants to be well, anyone who wants to feel better. If you're an athlete, great. If you're just, you know, if you're just a weekend warrior and you just want to feel good doing these things, if you want to feel good when you're playing with your children, if you just want to stay active and healthy, mm-hmm. um, then I'm your Cairo, because if you will participate in your care, that is the best thing for me. Um, that's sort of ideal for me as someone who wants to be actively involved in their care. See, that's a great example of a psychographic versus a demographic is being, being active or involved in your care. Uh, that is a mindset. That's a thought process a person could have. We all know the ones that do not want to be, they want to lay on the table, <laughs> you know, get, get uh, adjusted or, you know, some salt tissue and, and go on and they're not going to do anything else. They're sitting at a desk or smoking cigarettes <laughs> and they're going to come back next week. And so uh, I, I wanted to make sure the audience understands that difference between the psychographic and the demographic demographic and how you want to start. Uh, if you want to really build that patient base that you enjoy going to, you need to target those certain psychographics. Yes, I agree. And I think it's something we we have to do this day in and day out for a long time. And while, while it is enjoyable every once in a while, you have that patient that sees you pretty regularly, they're quote unquote easy, right? right? They're easy to manage. They don't have really high expectations. They enjoy, sometimes I think they just, they enjoy your company. They like, yeah. like being in your presence, in your space. They do just want a little bit of soft tissue and an adjustment and there's nothing wrong with that. But I would prefer a few of those patients sprinkled in amongst a lot of really motivated patients who also make my life easy in the way that if I say, you know, you could, you could feel a little better on your bike if you would do X, Y, or Z. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's kind of, you you mentioned it in my practice, the same thing. We have a lot of active people, but there's going to be some auto accidents sprinkled in. I'm I'm in Boca Raton, Florida, which is, uh, it's a very um, well-rounded city. We have a lot of different um, age groups, but there is a lot of retirees and snowbirds. So I'm going to have the 87 year old sometimes yep. and, that, yep. and that's great. But um, the way I've geared my marketing and my patient communication experience has been to compel the active and repel the inactive in a sense, you know? Yeah, that's a good, good expression. And you lead by example too, I'm mm-hmm. sure in yeah. your lifestyle, how you, you know, people look at you and they say, well, you're, you, you seem to be, or you, you know, what did you get up to this weekend? Oh, we went for a hike or we did this or we did that. It's uh, it's sort of contagious and it's, 
it's a little, you know, it's inspiring for your patients too. To see Absolutely. That. And I, and I really want chiropractors to understand that as you can build, you know, it's, it's a, it's a struggle, no doubt about it. Early on, you're like, you just need bodies in that office <laughs> and, I, and I get it. Right. I We've get all it. Been there. Yeah. So the way I kind of look at it is it's, it's like, let's get a lot of bodies in there early on. And then we'll, <laughs> then we'll carve out that statue of David from that exactly. uh, massive bodies in your, in your practice. And then you can start uh, really honing in on what you want in your in your practice and, and doing that yeah. effectively so um let's yeah. switch there's a doctor for every patient yeah, yeah. I, that's, that's what i think not everyone's gonna love me gosh knows not everyone is gonna like me and some people aren't up for the task of i'm gonna hold you accountable i'm gonna check in i'm gonna give you some homework i'm gonna check in on your homework hmm. not everyone's up for that and that's okay but there's a doctor for that patient too and i will treat those patients like you will but they sort of have a way of finding their way in or out and um yeah when you're starting you certainly don't fire patients um but but your practice forms in response to how you manage patients right so it does and you know if you have i think one of the best things a, a doctor can have aside from say like bedside manner and, and and obviously clinical skill is some conviction in what you're doing and if you convey that within reason right you're not going to berate people <laughs> and, <laughs> and yell, yell them out of your office but if you have some conviction on what your methods are of evaluation and treatment and what their expectations of them should be, then you're going to weed out some of them and, and build that practice. So, and it sounds like that's what you've been able to do. I've, I've, you know, gotten to know you through MPI and talked to Dr. King a lot when we used to actually see each other before this <laughs> pandemic and, and everything. And, and then I uh, had the luxury of putting together that virtual summit we did last year. And I say I had the luxury of it because I got to review all the videos and everything like that. And I, I got a really good taste of what your assessment protocols and, and treatment would be because you did the Achilles tendinopathy, I believe, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I could see, you know, like with your assessment measure is really effective with that. But, um, you know, the 87 year old might not um, be excited about doing some of it. Right. Exactly. Modification. <laughs> yeah. And that's what you got to know too, is like, you can't put everybody through the, the same no. thing. And so, um, aside, let's put the neck and back and headaches. Let's put that stuff aside and, and kind of roll with the, the, you know, idea of treating other things like you did with the Achilles tendinopathy video. Uh, what are some of the common conditions you love to treat in your practice outside of the spine stuff? Well, I would say, um, mm, lots of different, lots of different things, but I'll tell you one thing that I probably steered away from when I graduated and now I just love is, and it, it'll, I'm embarrassed to say is the hip. It, <laughs> we look, the hip has gained a lot of popularity and it's, it's obviously a huge, important, um, joint that affects all kinds of things. So, so we do a lot. I, I mean, the number of patients that we have, and, and don't get me wrong, we're in a community where there's a lot of great practitioners and mm -hmm. lots of really good competition, which is awesome. Um, but I do feel like when it comes to hip evaluation and integration into the system and functionally really um, being able to explain the, the what, why, and how of why this person may have a foot or ankle issue or a low back issue, et cetera, I, I like when someone comes in. I used to really um, cringe if someone came in and pointed to their anterior hip uh, hmm. or groin or worse yet, lateral hip. Right. And now I'd say that's something that I kind of, I start to get a little excited. Like, I think we can do something. Now, of course, we see a lot more um, um, femoral acetabular impingement and things like that, that maybe we can't mm -hmm. fix necessarily, yep. but still to be able to assess 
uh, integrate the hip into the kinetic chain, give people things they can do. Um, maybe it's not, I haven't answered the question in terms of a specific diagnosis, but a region of the body that I really like to um, address. And it's just so important, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but uh, we see a lot of a lot of things. And, and I like the, you know, the, the injuries that, that patients come in with because of a sport that they do repeatedly. We're mm-hmm. in the mountains, so there's climbers and mountain bikers and, and lots of trail runners and skiers and this kind of thing. So um, sometimes it's just a, a person that comes in that, you know, I'm noticing you know, my turns, you know, I'm not, I, people are pretty intuitive. So they'll give you a a clue as to what they're feeling when they're doing something. And then from there, you sort of go and explore, um, from a functional standpoint. So, um, but I would say probably hip stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I really enjoy getting into that area and shoulders. We're always, you know, yeah, shoulders are fun. Yeah. The hip is, is interesting because it's just, it, it's really the cause of a lot of different stuff, even if it's not a hip issue or a hip pain. Cool. Let's take a break from today's episode and announce our sponsor, Propel Marketing and Design. I've known Darcy Sullivan for years and we've worked hand in hand on my websites. I don't trust anybody else to do search engine optimization. There's so much to it and she does a great job. If you're really going to get results with Google, you have to make sure your website is SEO optimized. And I really don't want you doing it yourself as a chiropractor. You just have to have this type of stuff done for you. There's just no way around it. And if you're looking to get more organic online traffic that pulls in new patients, Propel Marketing Design is currently offering chiropractors who listen to this podcast a free SEO website review. The free review will help you uncover methods that will improve your website and boost your search engine visibility. Head over to propelyourcompany.com slash chiropractor and schedule your free SEO website review. You won't regret it. She gets great results and your website needs this. Your search results need this. Head on over there to propelyourcompany.com slash chiropractor to get your free SEO website review today. Look, you've heard me talk about ChiroUp before, and I'll talk about them again. For those of you that aren't familiar with ChiroUp or haven't checked them out, what they are doing is amazing. I just love their clinical expertise and how they really help the chiropractor and help the chiropractor help their patient base. Right? ChiroUp is an online platform designed by two chiropractors, Dr. Tim Bertelsman and Dr. Brandon Steele. They have nailed down the three things that chiropractors want and then created the resources to accomplish these goals all in one online system. Look, if you want to save more time, treat more conditions confidently, and grow your practice, then you need to try ChiroUp. Their subscribers love ChiroUp because the resources are practice game changers. I love them because I feel like we don't know how to create content sometimes and we struggle with ideas or feeling confident in what we're talking about and Kyra really helps solve that for you and you will love them because of their commitment to work with you and your unique practice goals seriously go to their website check out their plans and see what they're all about first-time subscribers can get 15 percent off their monthly subscription with the code christy 15 that's christy 15 for 15 percent off your monthly subscription Great. You know, and, and kind of touching on what you mentioned, being in the mountains and the types of people you have there, as far as patient base, that's the other reality of a lot of chiropractors want to be a, 
uh, you know, quote unquote sports chiropractor or right. treat sports injuries. And that's, and that's great. Um, you're going to see as a, as a sports chiropractor, you know, more overuse injuries versus traumatic. I, what I've noticed in my practice, cause I've definitely geared towards sports injuries is that you will end up gaining the trust of your patients and they'll come into you first for some kind of traumatic thing. And you end up knowing enough to evaluate and get it the heck out of your office. Exactly. Uh, so that's one of the byproducts of doing a really good job as a sports chiropractor is you will start to uh, see that. But what I was going to mention was that you have to be true also to your, to your location, right? Like I'm, I'm in South Florida. I don't get hikers down here. <laughs> I don't get mountain, I don't get mountain climbers down here. Uh, I don't get the rodeo either. Right. So, uh, but it's all the, my patients that go South for winter and get away from the cold here. That's who you're treating in, uh, in the warm weather. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's been a big practice builder for me is that uh, being down here and it's transient, I get a lot of referrals from other uh, providers, which has been has been good. But, um, you know, I, I've I've mentioned this before where uh, I did a lot with the NFL you know, offseason NFL because um, I'm a little bit further away from the, the Miami Dolphins, but did a lot with offseason NFL and people would reach out to me. He's like, oh, how do I get involved? And I was like, well, you're in, you're in Wyoming. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's there's not, a problem there. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen. I just happen to be in a, in a hotbed for that. And so, you you know, you're going to want to really get clear on what your psychographics are, is like the type of people. And then you're going to match it with what the realistic um hobbies and sports and activities are in your area and you probably want to you know participate in some of those or really get to know the nuances like you just mentioned there's certain nuances of the types of active people you treat so can you speak to that a little bit as like really how you got to because actually I don't want to assume but you were from a different part of Canada was there all kinds of mountains and all that type of stuff where you're actually originally from no no so Thunder Bay is on Literally, if you look at a map uh, of of the Great Lakes and you go to the northernmost shore of Lake Superior, that's where Thunder Bay is. So it's right on Lake Superior. So I'm sure there there is an active population there. I mean, I left Thunder Bay in 1999 when I went to chiropractic college. And um, that's still home. That's where most of my family is. Um, And when I go back, yeah, there's, you know, people are definitely into their water sports and that type of thing. There's a small escarpment there and apparently ice climbing and cross country skiing are big there. And a lot of that is true where I am here, but it's like, kind of like what you said when someone says, I would like, oh, oh, you, you treat uh, NFL. How do I get into that? I think, yeah, you have to have an interest, but you can't just start from scratch. Like you have to have, you have to have the circumstances kind of built around it as well. Or like you said, you get yourself involved and it just naturally comes from there. And it's not like it just voila happens, but there is a certain amount of, you kind of lay the groundwork. You don't just jump into something and become that. Mm-hmm. So when we came out here to um, the mountains, you know, I didn't mountain bike really. I mean, I rode a bike, but I didn't mountain bike. So you start to get involved in different activities. You meet people, of course, those people become patients. Yep. You have patients, those patients then become people that you probably become active with some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so really just starting to explore the surroundings that we were in and start to adventure out. But no, I was never, I'm not from the West uh, where there's mountains and, and I was never a mountain girl, but now that we're here um, and we partake in all of these different activities, things just come from there. You meet yeah. people, you, you, you know, you get connected, you start to explore and adventure outdoors. And now you are treating those types of, of um, those patients that do those activities that get those injuries, et cetera. So, yeah. And there's really two ways of going about it. And, I, and I'll just use myself as an example. And 
when I came down to South Florida, I'm originally from down here. So when I came back down here, uh, I really wanted to work with golfers and, and I played a lot of golf. I knew all the, the terminologies and the, all the things. And I went through the TPI certification. So I was able to like immerse into that down here. Although I was like broke back then in 06, 07. And I, yeah. It was expensive to play it out here, but I, I immersed myself as much as I could. And it was really easy to kind of walk the walk. Whereas then I got thrown into, uh, we actually have a lot of triathlon groups down here uh, and running groups. And I got thrown into a couple opportunities to speak about it uh, as far as injury prevention. And um, I spent a good couple years really learning the sport, reading up on it, learning the nuances of it, the, the lingo, the injuries that are caused. Like I just dove into it and I was able to kind of like, you know, uh, be part of those groups. I still am. And I honestly have never really been a triathlete, but mm -hmm. since I can really relate to them and I know what they're looking for when they go and see a provider, they've kind of adopted me, you know, from that yeah. standpoint. So uh, yeah. I think the the learning lesson, and, and this sounds like what you did with when you moved there is, is really learn, like take it serious. If you, if you want to treat those types of people, don't just assume they're going to want to come see you because you're good at this technique or whatever, you're going to have to understand the sport and the nuances of it and really get involved one way or the other in it. So that's something I think the audience needs to take into consideration. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I have no desire to do a triathlon. Um, I'm, I'm happy to hear you haven't either, but no, uh, I've done, I have done them. I was like, finally, they, they coerced me to sign oh up. God. Like yeah. it, it was, yeah, it was good. Now you're one of us. Now you're truly one of us. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. You can learn anything, but, and I think the practice style that many of us have in, in the, in the circles that you and I run in, it's all very functionally based. I know that word gets overused, but I think, you know, I don't have to be, we treat a ton of golfers. There's like five golf courses within golf is everywhere around us. Anything that's not a mountain is a golf course or a river. <laughs> um, so, so do I golf? No, I've swung a club before I've played a few rounds. I would not say I golf, know how to golf or, you know, maybe it's something I'll do later, but I can still take the golfing patient mm -hmm. and apply my knowledge and functional understanding of the body and I can help them. So I think a lot of times too, it's like, you don't have to be right in the trenches to, to be able to effectively manage and treat, but if your skill set can be applied, that's good, you know? Yeah, for sure. And part of it, it's, it's interesting because it kind of, I've put a lot of thought on this. I haven't verbalized it well, but it kind of works itself from the outside in and inside out. So for example, if you want to be a sports chiropractor, um, you're going to want to then pick a handful of particular sports and really get involved in there. And then what ends up happening is if you be, become known as the, the doc that treats triathlete, triathlon, uh, triathletes, golfers, and let's say football players for me, then what ends up happening is the tennis player assumes, oh, I'm sure you could treat me. And then the, you know, the bowl does or exactly. the baseball the baseball player does so it kind of ends up becoming this thing where you want to get known for a few and then all of a sudden you get known for being just the the doc to go to for this sports injury and and, yeah. and I'm sure that's what you've seen in your practice absolutely I think you articulated that perfectly it's you know I'm I'm definitely the runner Tobin is the mountain biker yep. uh we always thought we would climb like rock climb never really did take off because it's for just various reasons but I still treat bikers and climbers and everything so yeah I I totally agree I think you actually said it very very well there that um yeah eventually you just become the treating 
Um, a little bit of a, a business in person. Are you are you partners in business and in life? Or we are. Yes. All right. Perfect. How's that dynamic for you guys? How how do you manage some of that and grow together? Really fine. We we don't see each, we see each other at the beginning of the day, very briefly at lunch if we get one, and then at the end of the day. And so yeah, a lot of people say, I don't know how you work together. It's like, well, other than hearing him laugh in his room next door or crack <laughs> stupid jokes, I really don't hear. We really don't see each other during the day. So yeah, no, it works well. Yeah, we I have, have a, roles. like many, like many partnerships. We have our roles. We know our, we know what we're good at and we we're happy to do what we do and to allow the other person to do what they do. Cause we don't want to do that. So it's perfect. You know, I actually coach a lot of um, partners in, in life and in business. And then I've have a lot of colleagues that I talk to with that. And it, obviously there's a lot of pros really. And I was joking around with one couple not too long ago. I was like, the only negative can be is one, uh, the double student loans. <laughs> oh, that is, that's a curse. Yep. <laughs> and then, and then if, if you don't mind speaking to it, just a strategy maybe that you guys have had is also knowing when to put business aside and then just enjoy your, your, your marriage at some point. Right. Yeah. How do you well, go about I'm, that? I'm, um, I would say I'm definitely a work hard, play hard person. Tobin is way more easygoing. I'm more type A on, I have a harder time shutting down. Um, I need like a day and a half, uh, bef- like when I leave the office, if I'm going on vacation, it takes me a little time. I'm getting better. I am getting better over the years. Tobin like walks out the door, <laughs> lights off and he's on vacation. Like he can switch on, switch off. He's very kind of even keel and to be quite honest, I'm the one who keeps the thoughts rolling. And I'm like, I'm more the delegator. Okay. We got to do this. We got to do that. But I, I would say I I've gotten better at it just over time because you can see how things kind of work out. You have a plan. I'm a list person. Um, I can see what I've, what's coming ahead. I know where I am with this project and now I can kind of set it down. So I, I definitely struggle a little bit more than Tobin with that. But um, I think more and more it it gets easier. So when we leave the office, we try to leave it so that when I know that I don't have to think about anything till I come back tomorrow. And we actually, I think one thing that helps us, we have a midweek day off. So we have Wednesdays off. Oh, nice. So work two days, get a day off, work two days, get two days off. And so that really helps us. Okay. I've got two days. I got to do work stuff. Now I have a day off and I try to keep work completely separate um, and just know that I've left things at a point where I can walk away. So I'm, like I say, I'm, I'm always working on that, but I, I am getting better. Perfect. No, I, that's one thing I like about our profession too, is, is you don't have to work five days a week. If you don't want to, you can really get a lot done in four and, and have three off. So that's yep. great. Yep. Perfect. Good. So thanks for, uh, you know, taking a little segue there on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm all about segues. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so you have a unique perspective because not only are you in the trenches as a practitioner, you also get to teach and you get to see, I always feel like those that teach chiropractors also get uh, a lot of insights, you know, and, and into some of the struggles and pain points of chiropractors. And so uh, let's speak to the, the chiropractor that wants to have their own practice at some point. You, you obviously talk to so many chiropractors and get to teach them. Uh, what are a, a few key ingredients that you just like fully recommend for them to, to really make sure, uh, aside from clinical skill set, I know as an MPI instructor, uh, that's like number one, and, and that should be for any type of chiropractors is being great clinically. Uh, but what else would you say to really get the ball rolling and, and make it a great experience as a business owner? 
Yeah. So I, I, that is a, that's a good question because I think we're all sort of, well, we are all faced with that at some point. Hopefully you go to chiropractic college, like you say, you develop your skills because you want to be able to hit the ground running and you don't want to be in the treatment room trying to figure out how to treat. So at the very least you graduate, you've got your skills, you've done all the hands-on stuff, and now you can focus on, you know, everything else, which is to me more challenging um, in a sense. So I know a, a big thing is, you know, getting out and do you associate? And I remember having these conversations many, many times with Dr. King and the other instructors when we were graduating and just really want needing, trying to figure out like, okay, what now do we, do we start our own practice? Do we do this part of me? And if I look back on like just my experience, I, when I graduated, I felt like I just felt strongly that I wanted to stay in the States, even though I'm Canadian, my family was back in Canada. I do have quite a bit extended family in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, yeah, I think I, I think I just feel like I want to stay here. So a lot of times it's like, do you associate, do you start go where you want to be? I think is a big key. If you know, geographically uh, that you want to be close to home or you want to be uh, near the ocean, I think starting there because it, like they say, wherever you go, there you are. You you kind of want to find yourself in the place where you can feel comfortable. And then I think the choices you make from there, they they turn out a lot better rather than kind of crowbarring this. I want this type of practice. I'm going to go and, and do this, but not knowing exactly how that's going to evolve. So geographically find where you want to be. Yep. And then um, and then if you have that strong personality where you know you want to work for yourself, you know, that's that's kind of a, I think a lot of people struggle maybe to work for someone else. Mm -hmm. I think I needed that little bit of um, going, getting into a practice, seeing how things were run and then very quickly knowing, okay, I, these are the ways that I want to go. This is how I want to do things differently. Mm -hmm. um, so I associated, then I became an independent contractor when I was back here in when I first moved to Calgary, worked for 16 years with that chiropractor very, very well. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately we have our own practice here. So yeah, I don't, I don't know if that fully no, answers the question, it's, but it's great. And I think you kind of touched on something. It's, you really got to be honest with yourself. And so I know for me, when I was graduating in 05 and I was going to move back home to, to South Florida, I knew it was a pretty competitive area down here. And I just didn't feel ready to open up my own practice down here. I didn't have the financial resources to do it. And I didn't have the wherewithal, honestly. And so I, I got a job, which really was the best thing for me. And I didn't end up only opening my own practice until I was 30. So it's about four and a half years into the whole thing. But I felt like I was ready at that point. And then I was able to, I mean, I'm 41 now. So like in 11 years, I was really able to hit the ground running once I felt ready. Now, everybody's different. Some people are going to be ahead of that curve. Some people are going to go into a smaller town where it's probably, it can be easier to open up your own practice. You know, there's, there's a lot of different variables in that, but um, I think you have to be honest with yourself and realize sometimes patience is a virtue with that. And uh, for, for one person opening up right away at 26 years old, give or take is going to speed up the process for for them and be fine. Whereas if you don't start till you're 30, but you really built up a lot of good clinical skill set that you needed to refine, and obviously uh, some business acumen can really serve you well. So I think just being honest with yourself is a key to that. 
Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. There's some, a lot of different ways of doing things. And if, like I said, I worked with this one chiropractor as an independent contractor uh, for almost 16 years, we worked incredibly well together. We're still friends. We still stay in contact. You know, he's looking for an associate now and I'm trying to help him with that, but I had no interest in going off on my own in Calgary because I worked so well with him. And I always knew my practice here in Canmore was ready for me when I was ready to be full-time. So yeah, I think there's um, yeah so many different ways of doing things and you just have to, like you say, be honest with yourself and the circumstances that surround you at that time. And yeah, just kind of, uh, yeah. All right. Perfect. Last question. Well, and I'll let you get back to your day off on a Wednesday because that's when we're recording this. Um, <laughs> obviously 2020 was a challenge for a lot of people, but what are you most excited about for 2021? Um, oh goodness. Well, I'm in the midst of selling a house and buying a house. Oh, that's <laughs> and, exciting. Yeah. yeah. And that won't happen until quite uh, close to the end of the year. So if all goes well, um, but I would say I'm excited to get back to in-person. I think that's probably, I, I can't imagine that wouldn't be everyone's top uh, comment. So getting back to teaching, getting back to in-person learning myself, because we've had to cancel a bunch of courses and we're forced to do online continuing education, which will take up a good chunk of my afternoon today on my day yeah, off. There you go. So yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm almost, I'm tired of the word normal because yeah. What is it even anymore? And it's probably not going to be what it was, but just routine. Like I, I'm a routine person. So I, um, I do, I, I look forward to, I look forward to the day. We don't have to wear masks mm -hmm. uh, in practice. Um, but all in all, I, I'd say life is really good and practice is really good, but I do look forward to that more in-person teaching, learning, and um, just feeling like things are more routine like they used to be. Yeah. It'll be nice. I don't think we, uh, we all graduated and we're excited that we'd have to wear masks at some point. <laughs> yeah, but it's, you, know, you can see what you can handle and yeah. it's like, okay, here we are a year later. I mean, yeah, the last class I taught for MPI was, at the, it was last February. And, uh, I think, wow, that was a fast year. Like time has just a total different concept now, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm good to go along in life as it is. And, and I'm grateful to be working, uh, cause there's still, you know, we're, we still, we're actually coming out of a lot of the restrictions that have been in place. Oh, good. So it's good to see life returning, but, um, yeah, I, I do. I look forward to that, to that sort of human contact in person. Definitely. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. It was great to get a little insight of your practice and, and how you went about it and getting clear on audience and stuff. So I, I thank you for your time. Thanks so much, Kevin. You have a great day. You too. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. Before you leave, make sure you check out our website. We've got blogs and podcasts and all kinds of great info at www.modernchiropracticmarketing.com. We also have a closed Facebook group of the same name where a lot of like-minded chiropractors are workshopping ideas and making sure that we have this continual advancement of marketing, business, mindset, and just growth of your practice. So check us out, modernchiropracticmarketing.com and the Facebook group of the same name.